Welcome to Lagrange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science, technology, and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia, through a youth organisation with members aged 15 to 25, whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On today's show, we have Adam, how are you doing? and Ella. Hi! On today's episode of Lagrange Point, it's as easy as Ant BC, as we talk about ants, the wonderful lives and careers they have, as well as the internet. And looking at bees and colony collapse disorder and how we can fight that with new legislation in Europe and preserve our crops. We're going to kick off with our Launchpad News section. One of the interesting new phenomenons in our society is the fact that it used to be you got a job, you did that job for 30 years, you retired, you got a pension and that was life. Nowadays, you might have one, two, ten jobs in the first ten years of working. And this is not an uncommon experience. And it seems really odd because it's a big generational mindset change. But turns out, this is not that unusual if we look at the animal kingdom. Ants have been doing this for ages, as some new research from the journal Nature discusses. So, Adam Ant, tell us about what's going on with these career-changing ants. Thank you, Justin Ant. Uh, Yeah, it's a really fascinating study that's just come out of nature. It's just a brand new uh, piece of research about April this year. And it was looking into the life of ants. Now, ants in themselves are really fascinating creatures. If you take an individual ant, he's stupid. He just walks around, he kind of hunts, and he doesn't even have any sense of where he's going. He just plots along. But the fascinating thing is when you take hundreds of thousands of ants and put them into a colony with one head queen... Just the amazing structures and and sense of society they can build with everybody having a purpose and a role. And for a long time, uh, scientists thought that, you know, we understood that ants had different careers and different jobs and everyone did their own job. And that's how the the colony thrived. But now some researchers who published in the journal uh, Nature have realized that actually the kind of job that the ant performs is tied to their age. This is really fascinating. Everyone knows that uh, there are different kinds of ants. There's a forager. There's a nurse ant that looks after the baby baby ants as they're growing up. But uh, this study showed that the nurse ants are generally younger than the cleaner ants. And and the cleaner ants are even younger than the foraging ants. And it's interesting. You see this uh, similar trend in other populations, such as honeybees, that go from young nurses to older foragers. So... I think it's lifting the lid on these fascinating little creatures that, as an individual, they're quite stupid, but as a group, they're fantastically advanced. A bit like myself, I like to think. And what I found really cool about this study is how they did it. They stuck little QR codes onto the backs of these ants and then watched them for 41 days in a lab to see how they progressed through their life cycle and what happened to them and what kind of jobs they did. And it's a cool way of using technology that's non-invasive on the ants themselves to really get into the nitty-gritty of what are these creatures up to and assign them some individuality. Um, So I found that really cool. One of the interesting outcomes of this is that um, uh, the ants themselves became, given the experienced and tough jobs like going out there and exploring, but also probably the riskier jobs exploring is very dangerous, especially if you've been into a a human, for example, who is likely to squish you. Um, So sending the older ones who maybe know a bit more what they're doing or are more likely to die anyway is really interesting. That way you keep the young ones sheltered so that you have a sustained population. Absolutely. 
um, in terms of the groups as well, they've found really interesting patterns in what those groups do when they get back to the nest, who they hang out with, which spaces they used. And they used some uh, heat maps and heat tracking to look at where the different, different workers went back in the nest. And what they've actually found is that the nurses and the forager groups tend to sort of stick to their own kind. They don't mix very often, even if uh, their parts of the nest are really close together. Um, the cleaners tend to stroll around everywhere and fix everything up as needed. But the nurses and the foragers really hardly saw anything else of each other. And what they're wondering is, well, what sort of purpose does this have? And they wonder whether maybe the foragers, who are potentially going to come into contact with diseases or parasites, uh, might be trying to prevent spreading that to the nurses who are spending time close to the queen and to the babies, who are pretty big priorities in an ant nest, and uh, trying to keep that trying to keep that risk contained. So there's amazing risk management happening in ants of all things. These guys are obviously must be coming from evolution, but these guys are so fascinating. They, I mean, they're so like humans, more and more than you believe. Like the fact that they segregate, like you just said, Ella, that you know all the eighteen-year-olds hang together, and the fourteen-year-olds that are not cool enough to be the eighteen-year-olds. It, it's exactly like us. It's 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 really uh, telling that when the the alien overlords come to the planet and look down on us, they'll they'll see exactly an ant colony. <laughs> and, and what I find really funny about it is that the ants basically have a class society. So it's Downton Ant Bee? <laughs> I see what you did there. I'm, I'm um, fascinated that uh, we again poached something from nature that, that ants invented QR codes. That's fascinating. Oh, okay. <laughs> the human stuck QR codes on the ants, Adam. The human stuck oh, QR okay. codes. Yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I thought. <laughs> but the ants <laughs> do <laughs> use the antinet. Mm. No, I, I, I joke and I make puns, but I'm doing it for science. Your jokes, you could say, are a bit like ants. Individually, they're pretty crap, but when you add them all together, they've got an influence over you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but uh, what, what they've realised is that ants, when they're communicating, when these foragers are out there in the environment and they run into a problem, they actually backpropagate this message in a, and manage the congestion of navigating paths in a very similar way that we use packets in telecommunication theory to run the internet. So individual ants, studies have found, actually behave very similar to packets and data transfer in the internet, which shows just another interesting way that these kind of mathematical algorithms appear over and over again in nature. So when we think of something really clever, often we're just aptly replicating the best parts of nature, which is, again, another cool little piece of biomimicry in action, though that wasn't even intentional. Yeah, this all this all makes it sound a little bit simpler than it maybe necessarily is, but really exciting to look at with how we've got such simple structures. But really, there is so much about ants that we have no idea about yet that we're not even close. And what these researchers in particular are saying is that, well, yeah, you know, we found these groups and we we found these trends, but they've got outliers. They've got nurses who are very old in terms of the population and they've got foragers who are really young. So maybe there is lots more at play here than just their age um, and looking at how we can explore that and then look at maybe mimicking that in our society. 
that's a really interesting part and definitely an area for more research. So stay tuned. This is a brand new piece of research that's just been done in Switzerland and more will be coming, I'm certain. So if you've got an interest in ants and want to solve the mysteries of the colony, get into it and you might be able to study it for yourself. So we've talked about the mysteries of an ant colony and the way that the ants work together and have different roles in societies and how it's really mysterious for us humans who don't really understand what's going on inside this colony. But there's other problems going on in colonies that we don't understand at all and specifically in the bee kingdom. The bees have those wonderful hives which are full of activity and always buzzing but recently, over the last 10-15 years, in the United States and in Europe, bee colonies have been dying off rapidly. Now, you might say, well, what, what big loss is a few bees? You know, I have less chance to get stung now. But bees play an integral role in pollination. And without pollination, it makes it really difficult for us to grow crops, for those crops to spread, and those crops to be healthy, healthy and successful. So bees are an integral part of our ecosystem, and they've been dying off, and we don't know why. The European Union is so concerned about um, colony collapse disorder, which is what this refers is called, um, that they have banned a pesticide to try and prevent this from going on. So, Adam, what what what's going on in Europe? Oh, well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there's there's huge problems uh, with these insecticides causing the collapse of these these bee colonies. And uh, you may or may not know, but uh, bees play an integral part in in fertilization of plants and agriculture. All our all our crops across Australia, the US, and and in Europe are really dependent on these bee colonies. And it's bad enough that bees are kind of already in decline, but the fact that these insecticides are contributing to the, the death of the bees means that, you know, not only is the natural um, flora and fauna, more, more so the flora, in trouble, but a lot of our agricultural sectors could be in a big lot of trouble as well. I mean, it, it would be that you plant your plants and they really, that you wouldn't get any fruit growing because you need that, that fertilisation. We need the birds and the bees. Uh, I certainly do. I, I can't speak for yourself, but absolutely. I think it's it's important part. And, and this is a real huge issue for agriculture. And the problem is, if you don't have bees, you actually have to bring them in from somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, in the US, in fact, they're actually importing hundreds of thousands of bees from Australia. But, of course, the, the bee varieties in Australia and the bee varieties in the United States are different. They're not set up for the right uh, environment over there. So we import or export bees from Australia, hundreds of thousands a year. They're sent there, they fertilise the crops in the US for a year, and then they die out. So We don't bring only, them back. We're depleting our bee supplies, and then we're, we're shipping them over there and, and having them die. It's not in a good way. But it does mean we're insulated from whatever it is that's killing these bees. There's no yeah. disease that's been transferred inside us. So Australia is really lucky that we're an island and we have reasonably good border and security. And by that I'm, uh, I mean in terms of our food, we have really good control on the foods and flora and fauna that comes into our country, which means we're typically insulated from some animal diseases. It's why our camels are so healthy and why our bees are okay. But there, there is the added complication of these pesticides. And in, in, in the EU, EU, they're banning them. But in Australia, we haven't been so quick to act. So we really need to protect our local populations and kind of get rid of this pesticide. But pesticides aren't really the only risk to bee populations, are they? No, there's plenty of other things over there. We're not entirely sure what is actually killing them. So the interesting part is the United States doesn't believe that 
it's actually uh, the pesticides that are causing colony collapse. And there's a lot of active research going on because no one is really sure. Pesticides are a good theory and there is a strong correlation in the data, at least as the EU has found. Um, and they have legislated on that. But yeah. there are still probably other causes for that. Some people have tried to link it to um, more increased electromagnetic uh, radiation in our environment uh, because bees have a lot of sensitive navigation equipment and if bees can't find their way back to <laughs> to their the hive... The signals have been getting better, surely. They... Maybe they need a software upgrade. That may, may, ah, that's right. We have GPS. They have GBS. That's true. Maybe they're using Apple Apple Maps... That could be the problem. Pesticides and electromagnetics aside, um, a lot of our bee populations, and particularly the ones in the US, um, are populations that are that are farmed groups or that are groups that are maintained um, so that farmers can take and use their honey. And what they're actually doing when they do that is they're swapping the honey for high fructose corn syrup, uh, the, well, the controversial substance itself. Um been a lot of questions about what high fructose corn syrup will do to people uh, but definitely to these bees they're essentially being fed fast food so their populations are really struggling with a lack of nutrient and a lack of the the chemicals that they need uh, to to support their colonies and so you know what they're what we're finding is that colonies are collapsing due to us taking their honey essentially and that's a really really tough balance to make the the demand for honey versus uh the sustainability of bee populations which we said are so important yeah and i think the problem is that we we sort of started farming honey as the starting point and then realized wait we need bees for other reasons yeah definitely <laughs> and and now we're realizing oh hang on a second maybe the farming methods we use aren't great and so if you're really interested in this there's a lot of work going on and there's some really fascinating studies buzzing around so absolutely if you're keen on having a uh, a bee friendly garden of your own uh, there's loads of resources on the net about how to increase your your bee attraction in your garden. Lots of people will recommend that you plant things like bottle brushes, lavender. Uh, you could get a little pot of rosemary and encourage some bees to visit your garden and to support their infrastructure like that. No. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Grange Point. Today we've talked about ants and bees, and it's easy as Ant BC as we talk about ants changing jobs, the internet, and what's going on inside those colonies. We also talked about bees colonies and how we can protect them from collapsing and disappearing altogether. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information on the Young Scientists of Australia.